Welcome back to another episode of Main Education Matters. Thank you very much for taking some time and listening to this adventure that we are on, which is trying to understand what's happening in the world of Augusta legislation, ed policy, etc. My name is Matt Drew Edcard, and I am your sniffly and congested host for this particular uh, week. And oh boy, what a week it is. Kind of a uh, coinc- coincidental week to be a little bit uh, sick or under the weather, given what's coming up in education policy discussions this week. So uh, it is a busy week. This is the busiest week by far that they have had on the uh, Education Cultural Affairs Committee agenda by far. This is a ridiculous week, and they're starting off with a bang. I teased it a little bit last week, but what we're getting into this week, ladies and gentlemen, it's back. Vax Day, VAX, the discussion about immunizations has returned, and in particular, it's about restoring and um, bring, bringing back the ability to have, excuse me, while I get out some lozenges. This is the this is the audio, this is audio uh, foley. What's happening right here? I should I could I can make a whole bunch of a uh, whole other career. You hear that ASMR lozenges? Doesn't that sound good in your earbuds? If I don't do it though, I'll be hacking away. So either deal with a lozenge or you deal with. <clears throat> Anyway, well, you could, you don't have to deal with any of it. You can just shut this off right away. So a few years ago, there was a bill that, sorry, that um, removed religious and philosophical exemptions for immunizations. The thinking there was, okay, um, there are people and students in our public schools or our schools that receive public funds who are immunocompromised, who for one reason or another medically, physically cannot have a immunization. Okay. There are people who have philosophical and religious beliefs up in opposition to immunizations. And... Their beliefs are their own. Their beliefs are important to them. And the discussion was whether or not their religious or philosophical beliefs can impact the health and potential life of other people whose who can't whose bodies can't handle the immunization. So they're not getting it for a medical reason versus people who are doing it for a belief or choice or or ideology. So they eliminated that portion of the exemptions and it's just medical. <clears throat> this was a huge discussion several years ago. And our podcast here has quite a history of, of reviewing this because it was by far the craziest amount of testimony we had ever seen in our few years of doing the doing this podcast over like 300 pieces of testimony, several hours of people just lined up. I remember I know one person who went up there to testify, saw that the line was so long, they just turned around and left because there was no way. And there wasn't a way you could testify because it went into the wee small hours of the morning. Like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and they repeated the next day. So they've learned. They learned from their mistakes the last time around. 
and they actually sent out a notification about vaccination day. If you're hearing any noise in the back, that's my incredibly loud furnace happening. You're getting all kinds of peeks into the uh, the underbelly that is my life. <clears throat> so, they took a little change this year, and they said, well, what we're going to do, we know this is a big topic, and we're going to make sure that we can keep a hold on this. We can make sure that we can keep the reins in. And so, they're doing all of those bills on one particular day. All the bills that have to do with restoring religious and philosophical exemptions, etc., all happening on one day. There are six of them. They have them in three separate chunks. And we're going to go through those chunks really quickly. You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to go into the details of all of these bills. Because if you're listening to this podcast, you know what the bills are going to say. But you should know that this day is happening. And one of the things that they have asked... Excuse me, is that a lot of these bills are the same and have the same basic concept. So they said, you know what, you could just write one piece of testimony and submit it for all of them. It's okay. That's totally fine. I'd highly recommend you do that. Just like if you want to just be like, I'm I'm completely opposed to all of these or I'm in favor of all of these, write your testimony in, just attach all of the different bills. Do it in one piece. It'll you'll make sure your voice is actually heard a lot better. Anyway. So Monday, April the 3rd, and I know that this, this is not coming out until uh, a little bit closer to the time, and that's, I apologize for that, but I'm just getting my voice back, um, is they are doing it, in, it's Monday, April 3rd, and they are starting at 10 a.m. Typically, they've been doing public hearings at 1 p.m., but they are going all day. Testimony signups begin at 9 a.m., uh, in front of room 208 there at the uh, Burton Cross building. All right, so here you go. Uh, there will be a three-minute clock that's going to be used for this. Bills will be taken in the three-block testimony sections that are like this. The first block at 10 a.m., there's three bills. LD51, an act to restore religious and philosophical exemptions to immunization requirements. That is LD51. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that one in a second because I don't have it on my list right in this immediate moment. Um, by, sorry, by Representative Drinkwater out of Milford. <coughs> Excuse me. Next is LD1098, an act to restore religious and philosophical exemptions regarding immunization requirements. Yeah, it's... It's the exact same, except this one switched around. I added the words regarding instead of just two. LD1209 is the third one in this block. An act to reinstate the religious and philosophical vaccine exemptions for private schools and virtual public charter schools. LD58 by Representative Drinkwater, LD1098 by Representative Bagshaw of Wyndham, and LD1209 by Representative Boyer of Poland. Now, Representative Bagshaw of Poland is a Republican. Representative Drinkwater is a Republican. And Representative Boyer, Republican. I bring this up only because it's important. 
uh, and it's important to know who's putting this stuff forward and what political side are they on? Because this is very partisan. It is very partisan. All three of these bills are looking to do one thing, uh, reinstate the religious and philosophical vaccine exemption. Some are blanket statements for all schools. One is just for the private private schools and virtual uh, public charter schools. I'll get into my analysis of this in a few minutes. Block number two, LD... 11, uh, 1288, an act to prohibit certain higher education institutions from requiring vaccines approved under emergency youth authorization for admission or attendance, Representative Smith of Palermo, and LD 1148, an act to prohibit COVID-19 vaccine mandates for students enrolled in public institutions of learning. Presented by Representative, uh, sorry, <clears throat> Senator Brakey out of Androscoggin. Senator Brakey is a Republican. Representative Smith, what do you guess? Republican. All right. Block two is less about the exemptions and more about the COVID-19 vaccine. And whatever people's beliefs are about its effectiveness or efficacy. And when I say beliefs, I mean beliefs because they're not really using science in support of their beliefs, but they're using their beliefs and their beliefs are there. Their beliefs are real to them. And so this is about that. And to prohibit COVID-19 vaccine mandates for students enrolled in public institutions of learning, or uh, to prohibit any vaccine approved under emergency youth authorization. So, it, so, yeah. So it's it, you. You. We want to bring back the exemptions, and we want to not allow it in certain areas. Okay. The final block of bills for this particular one is LD eight sixty nine, an act to protect education access by prohibiting a mandate for school children for a COVID-19 vaccine or vaccine under an emergency youth authorization presented by Sep- Senator Keem or Keim out of Oxford. Senator Keim or Keem, Republican. Each one of these has been sponsored by Republican. I went and I did a, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, did a quick analysis of all the sponsors of these bills. And there are some Democrats, there's one independent and one from the Passamaquoddy tribes. Mm-hmm. There, there's a couple. I have uh, 28 Republicans, two Democrats, one independent, and one of the and one from the Passamaquoddy. Okay, that's that's the bipartisan approach to this, and we'll probably hear some of that in some of this, some of the stuff that's happening regarding these these bills. This last one, an act to protect education access by prohibiting a mandate for school children. I'll, 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 I'll tell you what, what, what this is about is 
parents or families who disagree or disbelieve or don't want to follow or use or or take the COVID-19 vaccination. This is to say you can't stop them from coming into school. This is saying, and they'll probably use the words like discrimination. This bill prohibits the director of the main center for disease control prevention within the DHHS from requiring by a rule of vaccine approved for sole use under emergency youth authorization or COVID vaccine or a COVID-19 vaccine. Okay. So this, these bills, this topic has obviously, obviously gotten a lot of press over the last <clears throat> number of years, especially obviously since the COVID uh, pandemic began. And it's exhausting. I'm tired of it. I'm sure everyone is tired of having this conversation. As I smashed the mic. That was not a mic drop. That was just me being careless. Which if I were to drop a mic, it would be because I'm being careless and clumsy. We're all tired of this conversation. I think everyone is. I mean, I, I don't think at this point people want to engage in this conversation. People do it because they believe in it. And that's fine. It's important to have beliefs. It's important to have goals. Those goals and evidence should be grounded in evidence. Goals, beliefs. Faith is a beautiful thing. I love faith. And faith is good for an individual. But when an individual interacts with other members of a society, there have to be ways to ensure that in a, in a, in a country, in a place that protects life, liberty, property, and individualism, that a one person cannot impede on the rights of another. Inconvenience is different from what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It's it you, you, you it's not it's not oppression to be inconvenienced because this, because this, 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 you have a belief or an idea that is opposed to something that could, that you not engaging in something could literally injure others in society. And where this gets tricky is in the public schools. Because you could say, hey, well, just don't go to those stores, just don't go out, et cetera, right? Well, public schools, there's a mandate there. Why don't you homeschool your kid then? Well, not everyone can afford homeschooling. Homeschooling is really hard to do well. It's not, you know, school is not just about, here, sit down and study, reading, writing, and arithmetic, the three R's, 
Let's get back to basics. It's th- th- that's not school in 2023. Sorry, folks. It's not. School is way more than that. It's more complicated than that. And one of the reasons for that, it's not a belief. It's evidence. We've learned how the brain works better. We've learned how kids work better in particular environments, in particular spaces. When things are safe and welcoming and nurturing and engaging, kids learn more, better, for longer. If they're not those things, they don't learn better longer. This is not me just talking hyperbole. There's brain evidence and science of years of educational research that support this. Anybody can stand in front of everybody and talk on a microphone. I'm evidence of that right here. I'm proof of that, that anybody can do it. It is incredibly complicated to create a system, to create a classroom of that's welcoming, inclusive, available, accessible for anybody. And that's what our public education system requires. As a result, an individual's belief in something cannot impact or interfere with another individual's right to the education. If you have a religious belief, you are entitled to that religious belief, but you have to go into the public school understanding that other people might not have your religious belief. And that's okay. And just because they don't have the same belief as you doesn't mean that they are indoctrinating or that they are pushing their agendas or beliefs onto you. No, they are merely existing. They are merely staying in the same place as you at the same time, experiencing the world from a different lens, from a different perspective. That's all they're doing. It's not oppression to say that in a society, we're going to care for one another. And that if we all have to be in the same place by law, by statute, then we're going to use evidence and science and data and all the facts that we have at our disposal to make sure that every single person is protected. That is not oppression. What that is, is a democratic environment. It is a democratic principle put into action. It is the means by which the ideals of our country are built upon. So where do I stand on this issue? I I try to often just, you know, try to, I do my best to not necessarily go on one side or the other, especially when it comes into politics. This isn't about politics for me. This is about evidence. Evidence versus belief. We have scientific evidence 
We have experts in the field versus talking heads on a screen. School boards, when they make decisions, it's, it really shouldn't be as hard as people are making it out to be. School boards, you, you have lawyers on one side of you telling you what the law says. You have the, there are legal experts. You have educational experts on the other side telling you, here are the ways in which we can best implement this law these practice, and the best practices. Your job as the board is to listen to them and do what they say. Allow them, help create the spaces for them to do what they need to do. That's your role. based on the evidence, based on the facts. Restoring religious and philosophical exemptions will hurt kids. It will. And I'm not for that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in favor of that. There's no evidence behind that. There are beliefs behind that. And I respect your beliefs, but your beliefs cannot impact my kids in the schools that they are mandated to go to. I'm sorry. That's just, that, that, that's, that's in my opinion, and I could be way off on this. I could be. But I don't think I am. And that's April the 3rd. That's just Monday of this week. They got four more days going. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. As I crunch on my lozenge. Maybe people just keep track of how many times I say lozenge this particular episode. No one has said lozenge more in a podcast episode than today, because I'm sucking down lozenges like you wouldn't believe. All right, let's get off of the immunization and vaccination hellstorm that's going to be Monday, and let's bleed into Tuesday. <coughs> there goes my cough. That's why I need the lozenge. Tuesday's a work session. And work sessions, if you remember, are all about, they've already done the public hearing and now they're going to have votes. They're going to have votes on stuff. And I will, I'll review some of those a little bit later in, um, when, when they have the votes and I'll probably go over some of those today, other work sessions if I haven't already, but I might just repeat myself because I don't remember what I said because I don't take notes and I don't actually record or I mean, I obviously record it, but I don't keep records of what I've talked about because I just literally press a button and then I talk. That's what goes into this. If if it, this became work, then I would be opposed to it. So there are 10 bills, if I'm reading things correctly, nine bills, excuse me. Nine bills. Nine, they're going to hear bills nine times uh, to vote on and to vote opt pass on the pass, et cetera. Here we go. Uh, in, the, in the order that they have it on, as a list for me. And we'll do 447, 
an act to support higher education in Maine by providing funds to Maine community colleges. Okay. Appropriations. There you go. LD-512, an act to promote student enrollment and degree completion in the University of Maine system by providing tuition waivers to eligible students. Okay. LD-271, an act requiring the University of Maine system and the Maine community college system to offer a four-credit course on hunting, fishing, recreational shooting, and trapping. I, that one still boggles my mind. I, I can't wait to hear what they have to say on this one. LD-830, a resolve directing the Maine Community College to study providing on-campus housing on all campuses. LD-881, a resolve directing the University of Maine system to study the development of a course regarding the use of manufactured wood products. That one still feels like it's all, it's based in a lobby to me. You know, I don't want to be skeptical of anything, and I have no evidence in support of this belief. Not a belief or idea. I know, I just went on a whole jag about this. I have no evidence behind it, but it just feels weird. It just feels like it's just so out there. Like the development of course regarding the use regarding the use of manufactured wood products. I, I just maybe there's a need for it. I don't know. Uh, LD897, an act regarding the University of Maine system hiring practices. LD-129 to direct the University of Maine system to study the feasibility of establishing a publio allo, uh, publio, public allopathic medical school in Penobscot County. That one feels different to me than the manufactured wood products one or the four credit course on hunting, fishing, recreational shooting, and trapping. Like, like to the, study the feasibility of establishing a public allopathic medical school in Penobscot County. Does Penobscot County currently have a public allopathic medical school? And is the fact that if they don't have one, is that impacting the amount of potential doctors and medical professionals able to go into or to be living in and staying in Penobscot County? Do they have to leave in order to get the study? And if they leave, do they come back? That's a legitimate question. I think that's a legitimate point and a legitimate question to, to inquire into and to look at the feasibility to have a course for for credit course on hunting, fishing, recreational shooting, and trapping. I mean, I gotta be honest. I've looked at the data for emerging markets in the state of Maine. That's not one of them. I mean, it's recreational and it's fun, but for credit course... Or the use or development of a course regarding the use of manufactured wood products. I don't even know what a manufactured wood product is. Maybe that's why I need the course. Fair enough. Um, LD944, an act to allow refugees, asylees, and asylum seekers to qualify for in-state tuition. You can only imagine how the testimony went on this one. I'll tell you. People were for it. People were against it. People who were for it said, yeah, let's get more people into college. People who were against it said, they're not from here. One was inclusive, one was xenophobic. I mean, that's kind of the basis of it. <coughs> Excuse me. LD-837, an act to ensure college credit classes taken in secondary school are credited at the university level. 
And that one's very interesting too, because it's all over the map. Like, hey, great idea. However, you want to be careful. So they're going to vote on all of those. Now, of course, this is on happening on the fourth. This is all presuming that the third has ended, that the public hearings on the third have ended so they can actually do their work session. If I know they're saying they're going to limit it to three minutes, but I'll tell you what, if the people show up, they're going to be there for a while. Unless they're going to just be like, nope, we've heard enough. We're closing the public hearing, which would cause all kinds of other havoc. So the fourth nine bills could be voted on and moving on to opt out to pass, not to pass, not to pass, amended, tabled, etc. All righty. Let's get into the final portions of the week. So they've done their crazy day on Monday. They've done the work session. Public hearing on Wednesday, May, uh, Wednesday, May. I wish it were May. Someday it's going to be May. JT said that. LD1128, an act to address student hunger and nutrition through expanded access to free milk in schools. This is an emergency. Presented by Senator Tipping of Penobscot. It, has an, it is an act. It has an emergency preamble with whereases. You know what I like about the whereas? It's been a while since I've talked about this, I think. But the whereas, it gives some emphasis. It gives some like oomph behind what you're, pu- you're putting into an act here. It's like, hey, you know what? This is what, this is what, this is a fact. You know, whereas in the judgment of this legislature, these facts create an emergency within the meaning of the constitution of Maine and require the following legislation as immediately necessary for the preservation of the public peace, health and safety. Now, therefore, I mean, that's just some, that's some language right there, you know? And there are uh, seven of these whereases. Hell yes. By be it enacted by the people of the state of Maine as follows: Section one twenty a MRSA subsection sixty six zero two sub subsection one dash a is enacted to read one dash a milk. A public school that participates in the National School Lunch Program must provide free milk to a student during the student's lunch, regardless of whether that student receives lunch throughout that program. States will provide the public school funding equal to the cost of milk for students who do not receive a meal through the National School Lunch Program. Milk. It just says that. It's 1-A. Milk. Period. In bold. Boom. There it is. Milk. It does. A body. Now, of course, I wonder if there's something behind the wood products bill. Is there something pushing the milk bill? What might be... Who might be getting squeezed? That's utterly ridiculous. I'm sorry. I I, I feel bad about that one. All right. I don't feel bad about it. I never feel bad about any kind of puns that I make because they're all great. Any pun you ever hear is a good pun. If you laugh, 
it's worth it. If you groan, it's worth it. The worst pun, which I don't think exists, is one that get, elicits no reaction whatsoever because a pun always elicits a reaction. Therefore, worth it. Always good. Like milk. Period. Bold. LD1183, an act to establish the school meal equipment and program improvement fund. I'm like, hey, hey, I'm all for program improvement. I'm all for improving school equipment. Bill establishes a school meal equipment and program fund, the DOE, to issue grants to eligible school SAUs to purchase school kitchen and cafeteria equipment. Needed to serve healthy meals, improve food safety in school kitchens and cafeterias, support the maintenance and expansion of the National School Lunch Program, the School Breakfast Program, reimburse food costs related to medically necessary dietary restrictions of students. It also requires the department to apply for federal grants available to support these purposes. Awesome. Here's what I think you're going to hear. We're in favor. We love it. How are we going to make sure that all the grants are accessible to everyone across Maine? Because there are some districts who have enough money to hire grant coordinators or grant writers and other districts who one person literally does nine different jobs. So how are we going to make sure these grants are accessible to everybody? How? What's going to be the process? What's going to be the process for that? Legitimate question, if you ask me. Oh, I, I meant to mention, and I'm sorry, that bill is presented by Representative Salisbury of Westbrook. Representative Salisbury of Westbrook. <clears throat> Let's move on. Uh, LD 1263. <clears throat> An act to require school identification cards to include telephone numbers of a suicide prevention hotline presented by Representative Lyman of Livermore Falls. Bill requires secondary schools to provide identification cards to students to ensure that the ID cards include a suicide prevention hotline telephone number. That's it. How do I think this one's going to go? <coughs> like so many always do. Great idea, local decision. Don't leave this up to the schools to decide. Some do, some don't. Whatever. That's how I think it's going to go. I, I, I don't see that. <sighs> Next are two bills, two different bills that have the exact same title. <coughs> LD873 and LD1164. An act to continue the Department of Education diploma program related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Emergency bill, several whereases, presented by Representative Senator Baldacci of Penobscot. And this program allows a student to obtain a DOE diploma due to significant uh, interruption in students' education as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, known as the Maine Diploma Program. So instead of allowing it to aspire, it continues. The other one is, which is LD 1164, by Representative Brennan, several co-sponsors. Same thing. Just allow these exact same things. So I don't think that one will take very long to address. That one will be, that'll be pretty quick. And then finally, 1144 
unless there are people who are there just going to say anything against the COVID-19 pandemic. That's just, just, just going to come up and say whatever it is they want to say about that it's a hoax or whatever. <sighs> All right. Finally, on the 5th, LD1144, an act to ban monitoring software targeting Maine students, presented by Senator Tipping of Penobscot. This bill prohibits an SAU or other public actor be acting on behalf of an SAU from installing monitoring software on an electronic device that may be used by a student outside of school to monitor that student, except when the student intends to use the electronic device for that purpose. Interesting. So, if a student has a laptop from a school, you can't just put a monitoring pro stuff on that laptop to track where it is, unless, except when the student intends to use the electronic device for that purpose. That's where things are going to get interesting, I think. Hmm. Curious about that one. Because there's a lot of different possibilities. Because I can hear like tech directors and people of like superintendents and like, well, they don't want our devices just walking away. want to be able to find where they go because we let our kids take them home and sometimes they get stolen or, the, or they, they claim to be lost. Then we got to track them down and this would help out with that. And of course, people who support and defend things like uh, the, the right for privacy would say otherwise. <coughs> Excuse me again. This is a brutal day. I'll tell you right now. But that's the fifth. That's it. Then there's the sixth. And they're going to wrap up on that Thursday. It's just three little bills. That's it. That's it. Just three. LD 1064, an act to increase the minimum teacher salary presented by Senator Pierce, or sorry, Senator Purse of Cumberland. Several co-sponsors on this. And this bill increases the minimum teacher salaries beginning in 2024 and provides a limited supplemental funding to pay for these increases. Right now, the minimum teacher salary in statute is 40,000. This would increase it to 42,5. You're going to see like School boards on one side, MEA on the other side, MPA in the middle. Always kind of goes that way. And I would just make sure that, you know, on, on general, I'm, I'm fine with that as long as they're willing to pay for it, you know. And I think it's a great idea, uh, but I do, th I, I think that they're the... The legislature needs to do a harder look at looking at how our schools are funded and the extent to which property taxes really should go into being the primary source for funding our schools. Whether or not that's a fair and equitable means of funding our schools. 
Next is a resolve regarding legislative review portions of Chapter 33 regarding governing physical restraint and seclusion, a major substantive rule in the D, in the D of the DOE. This is one of those bills <clears throat> where where the bill itself tells you absolutely nothing. The resolve provides for a legislative review of portions of Chapter 33, Rules Governing Physical Restraint and Seclusion, a major substantive rule of the Department of Education. Representative Brennan for the DOE. Yeah, but what what is this really doing? And I don't know what this is doing. I have to listen to it. I have a feeling this has to do with the law that was passed in the last legislative, some laws were by the last legislative session or two regarding uh, physical restraint and seclusion and the ripple effects that have come as a result of that to try to clean up that law, make it or clean up that law or other laws that were unintentionally impacted by that law. So it's kind of language, usually use this kind of thing as a language cleanup. To be like, hey, we did this great thing. We did this wonderful thing. We passed. Remember how we were all in favor of this? Yay, us. Well, you know, cause and effect. The, the, the consequences of one's actions, and you might not necessarily know the full impact of something until you let it actually go, and you see. You're really getting a full sense of my life here, folks. If you want to know what that was, and trust me, you don't. Just get in the comments, or that's a that's a that's not my that's not my line. I shouldn't say that. That's not my catchphrase. Just 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 whatever at me. I don't know. Maybe I'll respond. I don't know. Finally, for the week, let's wrap it up. LD three ninety four resolve regarding legislative review of chapter one seventeen rule regarding the duties of school counselors and school social workers. A major substantive rule of the Department of Education. Another one of those that don't know what it is. The actual LD here doesn't really say anything about what it actually is or what it does. So that's where we're going to have to listen to it. About what they, what uh, rule regarding duties of school counselors and school social workers. Now, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's some bills and there have been bills that say things like, hey, you, you can't, they must work a certain X amount of time and you can't pull them out for certain reasons, etc. Maybe that has to do with it. I don't really know. Why don't I know? Because I don't have it printed. I don't have it in front of me. Could I go looking for it? Maybe. That would require work. And as I've already said, if it sounds like work, I'm opposed to it. I prefer not working. I enjoy sitting. I really do. And I believe there was a comedian once, I forget who, who I think it was Paul Reiser, actually, who, good Lord, who said, I have a real affinity for sitting, for sitting. Because of that, you can imagine my enthusiasm for lying down. I agree wholeheartedly. And speaking of lying down, that's what I'm going to go do now because I'm tired and my throat hurts. So listen, <clears throat> Monday of, of, of all the things this week, it's a busy week at the Ed Committee. Um, but if you want to get testimony in, especially for stuff on immunizations uh, and regarding exemptions, philosophical and religious exemptions, get them in now. 
get them in soon because they're talking about them Monday. It's here. Vax day. V-A-X-D-A-Y. Hashtag. And <clears throat> I mean, this, I, I don't know what's going to happen. This whole day today, my throat has just, what do we say? It's a success or a fail. What say you? That didn't work. I'm learning. I got a new piece of technology and I'm trying to figure out how to work. Let's try that again. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to edit this in post. So I'm going to make sure that say, Hey, um, make sure you cut that part in post. We're going to cut all this out. Right. What do you mean? Editing is an important part of this podcast. You do go and edit it, right? What do you mean? I'm talking to myself. Uh, all right. Anyway, listen, so this podcast has been one giant success, right? Yeah, no, not at all. And was that worth it? No, it wasn't worth it at all. But it was to me. I enjoyed it and it made me laugh. Just like me giving the, having the opportunity to continue to talk to you all, um, to put myself into your earbuds every week or so. Um, it is a pleasure. I do enjoy doing this and I do love it. It is a lot of fun. Um, I'm a weird guy and I like, I really, ex, 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 I get excited listening and thinking about this kind of stuff. So I appreciate you who like this stuff as well, who like listening to it. And if nothing else, the melodious sounds of my voice with a beautiful lozenge in it as I crunch. That's gotta be gross, right? It's gotta be gross. Anyway. There's some, I don't know. I just don't get it. Thank you all again for listening. I appreciate you. I love you. If you're going to Vax Day, have fun with it. And we appreciate you. Thank you so very much. Take care. Bye.